0: All right, So we'll start the session. Uh, good evening, uh, everyone. Firstly, would like to thank all the participants for taking their time out from their busy schedule and joining in today. It's a special day because with me, I have Amisha Bora. Uh, she's the Joint Managing Director at Prabhudhar uh, Leeladhar. So, Leeladhar. So we thought of inviting her today and we'll try and read her mind and understand how do we decode this recent budget, which was presented by our Honourable Finance Minister and what sort of correlation it has as far as the equity market is concerned. So let me have the privilege of introducing her. She is an equity expert, spent more than two and a half decades understanding how to create wealth in the equity markets. And she's a chartered accountant with, as I said, more than almost 27 years of wonderful experience in the financial industry per se. Uh, G Business Market uh, Analyst Award has been honored with Editor's Choice Award for outstanding contribution to the equity market. She was also awarded the top 10 women uh, rising star by India Business. And also she conferred as the best salesperson of the year by Asia Money for three consecutive years. So a lot of things uh, you know, she brings on the table as far as her experience is concerned. She's also a member of the CII National Committee on the Capital Markets for about uh, two, two years to, I think between 2015 and sixteen. And was also on the advisory committee of National Stock Exchange for SMEs. A frequent opinion maker in the TV print media, and her views on the market and investment strategies are sought after by CNBC TV18, NDTV, uh, Z Business, ET Now, Bloomberg TV, and New York Times, and many more. I would say so. Under under her uh, leadership and guidance, uh, uh, the organization as a whole has grown many folds into. Holistic financial services organization. They've also added various complementary businesses, promoted cap- like cap- PL capital market to carry on full-fledged merchant banking business besides promoting PL NBFC to complement the broking business. And of course, he also has, they also have presence in asset management business. And in fact, they are now focusing more on asset management business and portfolio management services and, and shaping of this through our various verticals and adding more experienced people on board. So firstly, Amisha, let me uh, welcome you on board on this uh, platform called AIF and PMS Experts India. Uh, so it is our absolutely pleasure to have you on this uh, uh, platform today.
1: It's absolutely my pleasure also because I've heard you've been doing very good work and have uh, been servicing your clients. And my only desire is that all the research and efforts that we do, we as Brand Pravdaslather stand in the market for more than seven decades now. And we have been not having any incidents with any regulator, despite being regulated in different entities by different uh, uh, regulators, like SEBI, RBI, IRDA, of course, BSE, NSE. And we stand as a team for integrity and trust. And that comes across in everything that we do, be it our honest opinions in research, be it dealing with our clients. So I'm very happy you also invited and you've been also doing great work with your clients in helping them manage their wealth and grow their wealth. So very happy to be with you, dear. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you for
0: accepting our request. Uh, Very kind enough for you to sort of accept this request and come on the show take out the time from your busy schedule. So, you know, the format of the show is very sim- uh, simple. What we do is, uh, we, we since we keep interacting with our investors, we keep getting a lot of questions. So I am <clears throat> playing like a messenger here, you know, a role where I am going to ask you a few questions on their behalf. And, uh, and then, you know, we'll be having a very interactive session for next 30 minutes to 45 minutes. And I will then open the forum for Q&A if anybody wants to participate. So that's okay. how it looks so what we do is at aif and pms experts india we have taken this lead of educating and empowering our investors investor community as a whole and i mean irrespective of they have business relationship with us or not we tend to uh, serve them with more and more uh, ideas and knowledge and if they wish to know more about your particular product probably we kind of connect them with your fund managers so now today uh, the topic the, the the agenda of the discussion is the recent budget which is presented by your Honorable Prime Minister. So we thought you would be the you know best person to talk about that because you have been covering equity markets and various research. So what is your first impression as far as this budget is concerned? Uh, over to you Alisha.
1: So you know uh, on the budget day also and post that I attended many channels as well as webinars by whether came or whatever other channels and my Biggest compliment is that most of the corporates, you know, also have to do envisioning for their teams and outside world to know where they are heading towards. And this opportunity for a government to utilize during budget in envisioning India at 100, I think was amazing. And it also gave an example or evidence while doing admissioning of India, there is not a single topic which is of relevance from here on. Forget about past; is not covered. Be it use of drone for agri, be it acknowledging in whatever form, at least from text per- perspective, crypto, making a statement that RBI might have a digital currency or will have a digital currency or be it uh, you know, exchange of uh, the battery swapping facility or policy. These are all the things and more that we need for tomorrow's India and being relevant. And for that, of course, I give full mark. When we deep dive into the numbers for the current year, which is also budget is what is about, I think the steadfastness with which they continue to stick to the decision that they took during COVID, that they are pro-growth, this is a pro-growth government. So they took a risk and plunged into a little expansive budget last year with a 9% fiscal deficit or 9.8% fiscal deficit. They continue to remain on that path with a 6.4% fiscal deficit target and did not go populist at all. So I think that is full marks for that. Now they have taken a route as policymakers or government in terms of promoting India and growth through capital expenditure. So be it PLI which is a little outside of budget or budget expenditure on uh, capital expenditure, be it on infra, road, housing, gel, or uh, uh, I think bathrooms, all put together the emphasis is that we spend on building our capital goods or the capacities and be relevant through reducing logistic cost for not only domestic market, for but also global market. So, I think both these themes are very well interviewed. When you go through the numbers and deep dive, the assumptions on revenue, whether it is tax revenue or divestment revenue, are very sober and moderate. So, there is nothing which it looks like that they will fail to achieve. So, I think it's a reasonably very good budget. So, Ma'am, you also
0: talked about they have capital uh, expenditure and they have They've been doing it since 2013, ever since Modi government has come into it. Can you throw some more lights on how important it is for our audience to know that how important to spend money on or or to take these sort of capex?
1: Correct. See, it is said, we always use this terminology, the multiplier impact, which means when, as a government, you spend money in making a road. So, our taxpayers' money is being used in paying to say a contractor. So it is going to one person that is contractor. that in turn goes to so many vendors of equipments and products. In turn goes to a laborer. In turn goes for consumer durable or non durable, which is being spent. So the multiplier impact of these infrastructure spending, A is very high it is assumed to be 4x. B, it makes our economy extremely competitive. Why? Because in last 20 years, three to four areas from which India was really not able to compete globally, A was power cost, B was finance cost, but C was our cost of logistics and transport, be it road, rail, or ports. Once we build this and make it efficient and time consumed in doing this is reduced, we become very competitive for globally and for exports. So I think this spending which is going on is extremely positive for the long term as well as short term in the economy.
0: So you see that there is good amount of correlation between one on the one side spend, spend, spend on infrastructure on the other side, they're connecting India and emphasizing more on reducing the cost of the logistic. And we great. see markets, our honourable you know, ministers, especially Nitin Gadkari, talks about that they're connecting India completely. So do you think it is going to have a great impact on our economy in 10 years down the line?
1: Oh, huge impact. I think uh, this will be a very critical factor. And I would relate it also to the fact that what we did in 2002 to 2008 era, in building some of the airports, roads, it was Mr. Bajpai who had started the uh, the main uh, yojana, And after that, it was followed up by each government, I would say. And once again, there is huge emphasis and under Mr. Gadkari, the execution speed and is amazing. I think it's one of the best. So yes, it will have a huge bearing on India. This year, and in next 10 years, substantially high. And last but not the least, when you have a fantastic infrastructure of airports and roads and connectivity, the, once again, the propensity to travel increases by road and uh, raid uh, or airport. And, right now, yeah. and in terms of spending and multiplier impact in the economy continues to go up. So I think it is a complete win-win.
0: Yeah, so other thing is, you know, so ultimately everything uh, uh, is uh, ultimately comes to the overall growth and our Honorable Prime Minister says that the the target for 2025 is $5 trillion economy and therefore all the budgeting is done. Do you think it looks to be an ambitious number at this point of time or you think it looks to be a realistic according to your house?
1: We as a house believe 26-27 is the right time when I'm sure we will cross $5 trillion. And we will be from number five, fifth economy in the world will travel to number three, I guess. But for sure, we strongly believe this is the decade of India. It could be a year ahead. It could be a year later. There are many uncertainties globally, which can either hasten or a little bit delay. As it is, we know COVID has come from where and nobody knew. So some things like that will definitely have to be factored in. But this is the decade of India.
0: So there's one school of thought which says that, you know, you, you, you had 9, 9.5% growth because your base was too low, etc. Totally. On the other hand, people are saying that this looks to be sustainable and then you have a nominal GDP growth put together coming out of 13, 14. So what makes you to say that by 26, 27, it number looks to be achievable?
1: See, I think that the composition of GDP, if you see the service sector is the largest at 60%. So, whatever growth even last year we saw, it was just bouncing back of manufacturing largely. But service sector, be it the airline train travel or be it uh, some of the restaurants and so on and so forth, a lot of activities were still curtailed. And that's why as that bounces back, I think the the, the overall growth in the economy will be much better. All the industry, even retail, uh, shopping, etc. cetera, lot of contact and touch based industry have, was suffering. So I think that the service sector will bounce back. And over the years, while service sector was doing very well, the competitiveness of Indian industry was totally lost. So with consistent effort in last five to seven years, on different accounts, and now last being PLI, so anti-dumping duties to some other ways of protection, and now PLI, I think the manufacturing, which is just decimated to 17%, will show substantial growth. So, this put together, the manufacturing adding to the overall growth, and reforms in AGRI, I think put together, we will definitely continue to have this 12.5%, 13% kind of a Real, uh, nom- real growth.
0: So when you talk about the overall GDP composition, Amisha, one good thing here is that the service industry is expanding, what you rightly mentioned, and there is an emphasis on, on and focus more on improving the overall uh, manufacturing output and utilizing the capacity to its fullest. But you see that the agri contribution of the agri is going down in the overall GDP. So what is your sense uh, next three four years? Which would which sector would contribute the most in the GDP if we have to talk about 9% sort of
1: numbers? So the service industry, which is close to about 60, 62% or 64%, I continue to believe that it will, once we stabilize, will have a good 8% kind of, a, 8 to 10% kind of a growth. Manufacturing will continue to have, which had fallen to minus... To one to three, I think it will go back to about five to seven percent kind of a growth, which is still endemic. And then we grow faster over the next two, three years. Agree any which way, agree and ancillary. I think a two and a half to three percent growth is also very good. When you put all these maths together, we will be at eight and a half percent kind of a real growth. Add a little bit, three and a half to four percent on inflation.
0: Great. So there's a saying that, you know, your uh, stock market is a reflection of the economy. On the one hand, you have $5 billion of economy by 26, 27 as targeted by your organization. I mean, the cap, indicative numbers. On the other hand, uh, you know, you're, even if you consider 1 is to 1 market cap to GDP ratio, uh, mm-hmm. then we are coming to the big number. So what is your sense? Uh, if you put my the-
1: sense is when in, we will be growing at whatever, between 9 to 12%. Uh, market cap to GDP will not be at one, despite the fact that right now we are on a slightly bloated global liquidity, and that will taper over a period of time, bringing volatility. But if we take that, you know, five years kind of a view, I still tend to believe that a five trillion economy will have a one point four kind of a multiplier, and we will be yeah. And I think that we could be a seven trillion market cap company. And uh, market cap country is not impossible.
0: So, essentially, which means that market cap would be ahead of the economy. I mean, at times it is behind, at times it is ahead. So, you're the house. Yes, I am
1: in that camp.
0: All right. Okay. So, what do you think, Amisha? Which are the two, three sectors you think can outperform significantly and contribute significantly in during this time?
1: So uh, I've been talking about it, and just to re-emphasize that, if one sees almost last ten to twelve years, the emphasis was of course on building infrastructure, but the core manufacturing industry was at the receiving end. Be it with high power cost, be it with high, uh, and you know banks were shrinking their uh, balance sheets because of the NPA problems, so high higher cost there or the actual cost pressures and pricing pressures because of China's growth slightly coming down. Now, that whole scene is now being seen vis-a-vis that. What is the situation is? Post-COVID, there is a natural demand globally to have China plus one as their supplier arrangement. And in this last 10-12 years, we have also, as a country, traveled a lot of distance be it in terms of our power costs, be it in terms of our logistical port costs. And still, there continues to be little gap, which the government has filled up with PLI, giving the performance-linked incentives. So I feel the biggest sector where there is huge turnaround, and it's not for one year, two year, but five to plus years, is manufacturing stroke capital goods. That will be the real turnaround sector, uh, followed by the uh, building materials, because another sector which is turning from a very large slump is residential real estate, supported by many factors going in that uh, favor. So building materials across from commodity that is cement, but better products like pipes, fans, home appliances, sanitary wear, et cetera, et cetera. I think these sectors also should continue to do very well. And last but not the least, with whatever hiccup that world tapering and higher bond yields will have, I think that the private sector, I mean, the banking sector, not NBFC, not private, public, private, both. The banking sector with its clean balance sheet will ride this growth in the manufacturing and consumption and is very well placed to capture that with very clean balance sheet, very well capitalized. So in order of preference, these are the three uh, sectors. I'm sure we'll have to keep finding niches in clean energy, in something to do with EV. But those are niches. Those are not large themes that sure. we have listed place.
0: Sure. So you talked about uh, banking sector going to play an important role in terms of fueling the growth of the economy However, off late, I mean, we had almost 13 years of suppressed earnings, not to forget that. And then now we're talking about utilization to go up as high as possible. But off late, we're not witnessing that these corporate banks so-called, I mean, all three you put together, they're not funding the large projects, you know, because because the cleaning is done in a manner that, you know, if anything happens tomorrow, uh, the NPA's responsibility lies with the bank ultimately. And then they're a little scared to fund these large projects. So often the economy is not witnessing huge, huge uh, or bigger loans which can really create a lot of big employments or something bigger project can take place. So what do you think? Would that start happening again in the economy or do you think that credit, credit source of the credit will continue to be monitored or be cautious on that?
1: So the peak credit growth Indian banking sector was showing in 2005 to 8 era was upwards of 22 to 25% and some quarters 30% also. But the composition of that was that India, that those days banks were funding all these infrastructure, large ticket projects also. Because on PPP basis, we had all the power plants coming up, all the airports coming up, telecom uh, licenses were, our spectrum was distributed um, and so on and so forth. So, but this time around, we feel because of whatever changes in policies, also which has happened, we see that the growth in banking. Now, from that 30%, by the way, it fell to almost 0, 1, 2, 4. Why? Because mm-hmm. the corporate book was unwinding and they were focusing all on retail. But net net, the credit growth had completely slow has completely slowed down. From there now, last two quarters, it's been a bit bouncing back. So, When we are talking about banks and its credit growth, it's not that next quarter it will be back to 15%. No, it is a gradual journey from whatever 6-7% to 17-18% in 3-4 to years time. And the ideal case is that a 12-14% credit growth also on a combined basis corporate retail is a good number. Because when you grow at a rate of your ROE, you don't have to keep on diluting. Those days, bank had to dilute a lot and in the process, shareholder money is not made so much. When you have a reasonable, respectable ROE, which most of the banks will have and you grow at a similar pace, shareholders rather make more money.
0: Sure, that makes sense. I agree. All right. So, uh, the other question is, uh, you know, which I'm sure a lot of our clients wants to know. So, I'm opening the forum for Q&A and in case uh, uh, any of the participants has any question, please type in your question in Q&A box, not in the chat box. In the meantime, I'm coming to you. So I remember, uh, uh, you know, there was a time uh, when Modi government took over. And today, if you look at the GST collection, the total budget used to be that size, you know, those days. And then you see the GDP, uh, the GST collection, and, and you are also witnessing budget uh, So where do you think this budget can go in next 10 years down the line? <laughs> the GST monthly collection numbers.
1: So that is a very beautiful exercise that one should do, but I don't think we have done that exercise to give you any more precise numbers, but I can give you some levers that can really make a difference. So, and some anecdotal evidence to that. A, the GST combined with gradual simplicity in execution and bill and adoption by different corporates is making, the unorganized to un- organized, a reality, which took almost three years, but now it's a reality. So we are more and more uh, collecting texts on things which were already produced. But I think the game changer once again will be PLI. So my rough calculation showed me that government is giving this incentive for manufacturers to become competitive, correct? But in turn, when they make production, they will be collecting GST. So they will be front-ending the expense, but will be more than collecting. that. The payback of this PLI for government budgets is not more than six years.
0: Yeah, I was was asking the same question. Exactly.
1: So I think that it's a, a very smart move of PLI, but then the GST number can go manifold, is what my initial guess is that A, of course it is linked to the growth of the economy, but B, as what I said, the manufacturing is the one which will take a big leap in India. And hitherto, which we were importing, we'll be making here for ourselves. So I think GST number will has many, many legs to go.
0: Yeah, my last question. So uh, I heard Piyush uh, Boelji saying that India has the potential to become $10 trillion economy by 2030. I mean, I'm saying that one or two years you may discount, but, you know, and it, it, it took almost 50 years to become more than 55 years to become $1 trillion economy. And now this trillion, the way it is adding up, do you think by 15 years down the line, India will be superpower with about more than $10 trillion size in terms of economy? Do you think it is possible?
1: I definitely think it is possible. And because... A, we are a country with huge natural resources. B, we are a country from the beginning and now more of literate entrepreneurs. These two is very wide in India. So given in now, opportunity. So, you know, most of the time in the past, we were not realizing whether we were businessmen, small businessmen, or uh, you know, self-employed, that paying tax is important. Paying tax is important not for the country alone, for your own self. Why? Because then gradually your, your credibility gets built with the system. When your credibility gets built, when you go to ask for a loan, whether it is for private consumption, still it benefits the country, or for any business, your ability to get that funding improves manifold. Now we are going into that chain. So we have all the required things to make us really the superpower, the youngest population, but not of illiterates, not of uh, docile, or not of just the community which is very violent. We are largely entrepreneurial community with huge literacy and education. And the way we have paved the way for all these Digitization, so we can reach any last mile now, with whatever has been done as the you know Jandan and, and etc. Uh, what is it called? Jam, jam, right?
0: Yeah. So,
1: so so that is unlocked our economy. And I always believe that we may say Instagram is a time pass or whatever, but that awakens at the last mile or YouTube, without even having your. Uh, TV, you get exposure to anything in the world, which inspires you to do things. And with 5G, it will even further unlock. So I am extremely bullish with the kind of possibility and resources that we have as a country. And when the policymakers also want to unclog the economy, economy really unclogs. So I think we are really well set for that.
0: Yeah, so as an organization, Prabhu Liladhar, you know, have been serving most of the uh, FIIs uh, in India in terms of providing them domestic uh, research reports. And uh, you, I think in terms of your rating also, it is at the top notch uh, in terms of quality of the research, research report that you generate. So my question is, what's their views on India? And uh, what is your sense that you are getting? Uh, because we see that they have been... Uh, booking their profits and taking the money out uh, throughout the year, last year they, they, they did. So what's your sense?
1: So see, when uh, there are two ways. In turn, FIs also are dictated by the flows that they get. And good part of the money which is coming to emerging markets, that is what we and most of the other Asian countries are, is ETF dictated. So that is also a uh, outcome or result of the forming US yields. Not now. Now it is gone to 2%, but this has been in talks for a while. And any emerging market outside of US is considered as a riskier asset as compared to US. So uh, we cannot just judge that the f- outflows are because of their apathy towards India. It could be a result of reducing risk or compulsory because of the outflows. A. Having said that, India has been in last some time a costly market because of the balance sheets of the banks getting clearing and the profits as a pool of our GDP was so low that we were always looking a very costly market. So it's only some of the long onlys which can have a very sustained view of how this is going to change corporate profits to GDP who stay put. But India, of course, it's at a premium to uh, MSCI last 10 years average, and our own last 10 years average multiples. So some kind of, uh, you know, selling from FIIs when globally they have an uh, outflow is bound to happen. And compared to that, after all the wreck that Chinese markets have got, they become so cheap. So some flows can go there. But I think the heartening part is, is not when we will keep having those bouts of volatility? It's very much possible. You know, we just keep saying that number, ki 3 crore se 8 crore uh, demat account ho gaya. Abhi wo extra 5 crore demat accounts ko, Aab multiply kroo, as a total savings, it's one lakh crore additional through that active PMR DMAT accounts. Forget about what is going in mutual funds as SIP, which is whatever eight to ten thousand crores a month. Yeah, so
0: that has also been up to
1: thirteen thousand. As of now, our pensions and uh, others are still not fully unlocked, both as a policy as well as mindset to participate into equity markets. So I think that yes, bouts of volatility will continue, but our internal rate of saving is pretty reasonably good. And as we keep more and more financializing our savings, we have more legs to go with our own internal savings also.
0: All right, so we have a lot of questions which has come up. So uh, the first question comes from Vijay. I think Vijay, your question is already answered about FII's continuously selling. So I think she's just answered. So I'm not taking this question. The second question is uh, new technology-based aggregator business are coming into play and are growing very fast. But however, their fundamentals of financial performances are a bit hazy. Do you think that it would be new multi-bagger sector itself in the near future?
1: So, my view is no. In the near future, this can't be a multi pegger but given a five years plus kind of a time horizon for your investments, these are some of the plays which will rule, uh, is what I also believe. Because they've got actual traction with users. They've got that critical mass to survive. It's with their ambition to grow faster that they're losing money. We can't forget that. So I think they do have a moat, but not in near future that they can become multi-peggers. I think it is, you will have to give a time horizon of five years, given the kind of uh, rate hikes or tapering that is expected. Uh, I wouldn't also say that it's dirt cheap, go rush by, you will get time to gradually accumulate uh, these worthy businesses
0: sure. so next question is particularly uh, about uh, automobile industry so with the indian government focus on uh, global forum is on lowering carbon emission what are your views on electric vehicles do you think that autom- autom- automobile companies should have subsidiary companies in EV arena, so as to show their performance separately. What is your expectation from EV and bioethanol fusion?
1: So EV is here to be there. There is no doubt about it. Till the time EV fully unlocks or uh, popularizes both in terms of EV refueling uh, capabilities across as also the vehicle capability, I think that it could be a possibility of hydrogen technology also getting commercialized because all this will take a decade to shift from carbon-emitting to non-carbon-emitting vehicles. Uh, And in the process, I think a lot of established winners will uh, have to leave their turfs because once in case, you know, you get that particular uh, initial subsidy to buy an EV product. As we know, the running cost is almost not there or is so low that adoption will be faster. And in the process, the market shares will change of all the players. From current winner products to new winner products, how the journey will pan out is very difficult to say. EV is, uh, will win, how the products will win, and who will be the winner, will time will only say and we will have to keep watching it, but for sure, established large market share players will have to give way to to the new players. So I so in turn, if I want to relate it to the markets, I feel that some of the players have such high valuations right now, which I feel is difficult to sustain.
0: All right. Next question is during this budget, it was digital, digital and digital. So, uh, any views on that?
1: No, I think whether digital interface with clients or whether uh, back-office processes to be digitized, there is no other way but digitizing. For any businesses, it's not that there are only uh, technology businesses or there are new businesses which will digitalize digitize all the existing businesses and interfaces gradually will digitize so that's why uh, you know we've been very bullish generally on it sector and we believe in terms of their growth they are into multi year growth cycle from the fact that their growth had been 7 to 10% in last decade or 6 years and now it will be 12 to 16% in next 5 to 7 years Having said that, valuation is a different game, which we need to keep an eye on while taking uh, investments back. But yes, digitization globally and in India is the way going forward, and which is what we both are doing right now.
0: Yeah, it was great interacting with you. Last question from my end before we conclude the session. So, you know, there has been a lot of focus on bond-based investments of late and uh, your organization has also taken a lead in this regard of managing you know pms uh, money under uh, uh, under this uh, area of Quant-based artificial technology. intelligence and machine learning and so can you throw some more lights on that
1: so uh, globally also if you see in last almost a decade there has been a tectonic shift from active management to non-active management, quant-based or passive. And the reason being, with all the intelligence at its help, the active managers, 90% of the active managers, could not beat the benchmark. Which means that paying the extra fees for human comprehension of globalized economy was not working out. So what worked or grew is either the ETFs where you follow the benchmarks or quant-based investing where also human emotions were put to rest. Just to give you an example, we have also developed some eight different meters. And sometime in uh, midst of that COVID problems, when market had tanked from whatever 12,200 to 7,500, at 8,450, our quant meters gave us a strong buy signal and indicated a 75% weightage to equity. equity. If we had to intervene, knowing what kind of noise was around, what kind of volatility was around, do you think we could have put 75% money into equity? Not at all. And to, at 50,400, it reduced first time Seven, that seventy-five percent equity to about sixty percent, and at eighteen thousand four hundred, it reduced to uh, something like twenty or thirty percent as indicator. So what we are trying to say is that that in, uh, this passionate view can come only when you leave it after a thorough research. So we, as what I said. There are 15 years of data across the globe, which has been backtested with inter intercorrelation and put on machine learning. So machine also keeps correlating the data and throws the answer. But we think that times are there where this segment is what's going to work. And as more and more efficiency comes into the markets, it will be very difficult for active managers to outbid the benchmarks.
0: All right. So, it was great uh, interacting with you. So much to learn, a lot of insights. So, thank you so much for taking the time out and joining me today. Uh, Thanks, everyone. My pleasure, Vikas. Yeah. If you have any questions, please feel free to write to me. I'll uh, speak to Amisha and get your question answered, if anything is left out. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much. Bye, Vikas. All the very best.
0: Thank you. Same to you, ma'am.